Thank you, Dr. Jonathan. Man, I love this place. Y'all are a lot of fun. This is a great church, and we had a, a fantastic, strong family conference. Many of you were there. Thank you uh, for being there. And I want to take a moment and just thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to be here with you. It's such a, a blessing to see how many lives are being changed as a result of Westover Hills. Uh, Dr. Jonathan mentioned it, and I'll mention it again. I am a kids pastor. I've actually been a kids pastor for the last 24 years, and I know I don't look that old. You can go ahead and say amen right there. Great spot for it. Uh, but I love it. I love being a kid's pastor because there is nothing like that moment when the light goes on in the mind and heart of a child and they understand that Jesus loves them, that he has a plan for their life, that he came and died to, to sacrifice for their sins. And being there on the front row as children take their first steps in becoming a lifelong follower of Jesus, man, it is so incredible. But there is another reason why I love kids ministry so much. And that is because kids are so much fun. They love having a good time. And really, there are moments when, even when you had planned for it to be a serious moment, that kids can just take it the other direction. Have you ever been there? Where all of a sudden you're like, no, that was not what I had planned. I'll tell you, one of, one of those times happened to me uh, during uh, prayer request time. Now, I'll just go ahead and tell you, uh, parents that are in the room, uh, you didn't realize this, but every deep, dark secret that you have in your family, everything that you thought your kids never heard or understood, it all comes out in prayer request time. I remember one morning, uh, we had a young man who was on the front row, and uh, he, he was actually one of our, our board members, our, our, our folks that helped lead the church, and he, he, his son was there, and his son said, uh, could you pray for my dad, because he, he wasn't feeling good, and he couldn't come to church this morning. Now, I should have said, absolutely, we'll pray for your dad, Kevin, and moved on. But instead, I asked one more question, and I said, well, what's wrong with your dad? And he, with microphone in hand, blurted out to everyone, well, his hemorrhoids were hurting him real bad, and he didn't want to come sit on the wooden pews. <laughs> I guarantee you his dad did not know he was sharing that with everybody that morning. But kids are hilarious. And, and, and really, do you ever stop and think back to what it was like when you were a kid? I mean, it's a whole lot different than being an adult. There was not any pressure to pay bills and provide for your family. You know, you could solve any major life issue with a simple eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Wasn't that a lot easier? You know, a lot of you have, like me, a lot of fond memories uh, from when you were a kid and, and the places you went, the things you did. But I'll tell you what I love is I love remembering the toys that I had when I was a kid. I love electronics. They're great. But man, those toys that we grew up with, they just, they're just awesome. Do you remember some of those toys? Think back to the toys you had when you were a kid. For some of you, it wasn't that long ago. And for others of you, it's one big blur. <laughs> but that's all right. I want to take you on a walk down memory lane this morning. And I want to have a little bit of fun. Is it okay if we have a little bit of fun right now? All right, good, because I'm going to give away some toys that were the top-selling toys in various decades. And if you were born in one of these decades, you very well may walk away from here with one of those toys. So I'm going to ask, 
If you were born in the 1990s, would you stand up? We want to see all our young ones here. 1990s, come on. All right, give them a hand. 1990s, yeah, 90s kids. All right, now you get to guess, all right? Yell it out to me. What do you think the number one selling toy of the 1990s was? Anybody got a guess? Huh? I heard it over here. Power Rangers, that's right. The pa go, go, Power Rangers. Yeah, that, that's what it is. And so we've got a Power Ranger for you. Who's got the Power Ranger? There we are. All right, raise your hand if you want a Power Ranger. I know, oh, come on, I know you did. I saw it. I saw it in your face. I knew you did. Uh, oh, and he picks, he picks, oh, there we go. All right, great job. 90s kids, you can sit down. Thank you so much. Our right, 80s kids, come on. 1980s, you were born in the 80s. Stand up. Love it. Love it. What do you think? What was the number one toy? Huh? Hot Wheels. It was the Rubik's Cube. The Rubik's Cube. Who wants a Rubik's Cube? Who thinks you're smart enough to solve the Rubik's Cube? All right, who's the smart one? Hey, listen, you can't solve it the way I did and peel off the stickers, all right? You got to do it for real, okay? Excellent. Way to go, 1980s. And now my crew, the 1970s. If you were born in the 70s, stand up. These are my people right here. <laughs> Look at y'all clapping for yourself. That's great. <laughs> All right, what do you think? What, what was the number one toy? G.I. Joe? Flipper? No, what are you talking about? It was the... Hungry Hungry Hippos game. The Hungry Hungry Hippos game. Who wants to play this? It's still fun with your family. Still great. All right. Good job. 70s kids, you may sit down. How about those born in the 1960s? Where are you, 1960s? Yeah. Ha-ha. All right. What do you think it was? What do you think it was? Jack in the box. <laughs> no, it was the Etch-a-Sketch. The Etch-a-Sketch. And if you're up in the balcony, you get to get an Etch-a-Sketch. He's got it right there. All right, Etch-a-Sketch for the balcony right up there. All right, how about 1950s? Come on, 1950s folks. Absolutely. Pastor. I want y'all to know he's making breakthrough in his life because this is the first service he's admitted that he was born in that decade, <laughs> all right? He was trying to deny it, but what do you think? What was it? G.I. Joe again? No? Silly Putty. Silly Putty. And we got a lot of Silly Putty. He's got several of them. They came in that little plastic egg, remember? And you'd flatten it out and put it on the newspaper. And I don't know why we did that, because you can't read backwards anyway. So we did it anyway. All right, there you go. Lots of silly putty. You may have a seat. And now, stand up if you were born in the 40s or earlier. 1940s or earlier. Come on. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Great church with all generations represented. All right. Do you, do you remember what you played with as a kid? I mean, I mean not do you remember. 
How about help us remember what you played with as a kid? What do you think it was? Marbles? That's not bad. Oh, I heard somebody say it. It's the original Slinky. The Slinky. All right, so we got a Slinky. Raise your hand if you want a Slinky. All right, who's going to get the Slinky? It's fun for a girl and a boy. That's what they told us. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Give yourselves a hand. Great job. You can be fun. It's wonderful. Well, being a kid was great. It was awesome. And, and, and you ever just kind of sometimes reminisce and maybe daydream and think, what would it be like if you were a kid again? You know, would you be surprised if I told you that Jesus himself actually encourages us to be like a kid? Well, today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where he did just that. It's in Luke 18, 15 through 17. It says, One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them, but the disciples told them not to bother him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then he says this, I assure you, Anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. Now, I love the way Jesus handled this situation. I mean, there were, there were some excited parents who were doing exactly what parents should do. They brought their children to Jesus. And, and I just want to take a moment and applaud all of you parents here at Westover Hills who make a habit of faithfully bringing your children into the presence of God. That is the only hope for a generation. And, and I'll tell you, I've seen it in action. Your church has an amazing kids ministry. Pastor Will, Pastor Crystalline. Their whole team, man, they were rocking it out at the Strong Family Conference. I got to see everything that they were doing. And I'll tell you, that team works hard putting a lot of effort, thought, and energy into providing an environment that brings the Bible to life for your kids. And entrusting your children to this kids ministry team is one of the best decisions that you could ever make. And if you're not making sure that your kids are in our kids ministry here at Westover Hills, you are missing it. I highly encourage you to do so. You're not going to regret it as you, you truly partner with this church to help your children become lifelong followers of Jesus. Now, let's, let's jump back into the story here. Uh, these parents... They were bringing their kids to Jesus. But as they did, did you notice what the disciples did? Their reaction was a, a little less than what it should have been. They were trying to push the parents and the kids away. They felt Jesus was much too busy and much too important than to deal with these little children. Basically, the disciples were saying, hey, Jesus, you don't need to be with these kids. You don't need to mess with them. I mean, their noses run. They got a lot of germs. And Jesus, have you ever seen what happens to a fifth grade boy on a long trip after he's eaten an entire container of bean dip? It's not pretty. They're saying, Jesus, you don't have time for these little rugrats. You need to spend your time on real ministry. You know, there are a lot of churches that have that same philosophy. They see kids as more of a, a nuisance that they have to put up with in order to get to the people who really matter, the adults. 
Thank God Westover Hills does not have that philosophy. Hallelujah. They believe children are extremely valuable to the kingdom of God. But you know what? Jesus actually saw things a little bit deeper than that. He told the disciples as they were pushing these children away, he said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And I assure you that anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. See, Jesus didn't say it's okay for children to come. He didn't even say, hey, children are important. They're very valuable. He actually says that you and I, as adults, we must actually become like a child in order to get into the kingdom of God. Jesus says you need to be a kid again. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, I hear you, Brian, but at some point, don't I have to grow up? I mean, I can't go around acting like a kid all the time. I understand that. There really aren't many careers that you could hold and actually behave as a child all the time. Can you imagine blowing bubbles at staff meeting and work at work, you know? Throwing spit wads at the person in the cubicle next to you might not go over well. Throwing a tantrum every time that your boss gives you an assignment that you don't like. Some of you actually work with people like that, and so we won't name any names. But what happens? Before long, if people act like that, they're fired. And many of you parents and even grandparents, you, you might look at me and say, you know, I'm, just, I'm at a stage of life where I just can't act like a kid anymore. I'm grown up. I'm past all that. Well, I want you to understand that when Jesus said we need to be a kid again, he wasn't talking about the way that you play or the way that you talk or the way that you act necessarily. He was talking about our faith. And he said, anyone who does not have their kind of faith, talking about the kids, they're never gonna get into the kingdom of God. So what is it that Jesus is referring to? What is it about a child's faith that Jesus held in such high regard? Well, I feel like I'm qualified to share with you some thoughts because I've worked with kids for the last 24 years and I watch them every week. I see their faith in action and every so often, you know, I get a chance to speak to adults, but where I really have a passion and a heart is ministering to kids because I see their faith as incredibly genuine and real and there's something about their faith that we seem to have unlearned as adults. Now, I'm not here to give you a guilt trip. I'm not here to do that at all. But I am here to give you the words of Jesus. And Jesus says we have to have faith like a child. And so I'm going to share with you some characteristics of a childlike faith and challenge you to experience these in your life once again. Today, we're going to become a kid again. The first characteristic of a childlike faith that I've seen a lot, number one, they love him passionately. Kids love God passionately. You know, one thing that struck me from the moment I became a kids pastor was, was the deep passion that kids have for God. And that passion just overflows during times of worship. If you could slip into one of our kids' services unnoticed, 
you would see children with their hands raised, eyes closed, sometimes kneeling, sometimes standing, and sometimes even laying on their face before God. They're worshiping him passionately with all of their heart. They fully obey the command that Jesus said was the greatest of all in Mark 12. He said, the most important commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That really doesn't leave a lot of room for interpretation. All your heart. Jesus said, our expression of love to God must be filled with passion. It can't be ceremonial. It can't be like a duty or a chore. So I have to ask the question, how many people could be impacted by your love and your worship if you truly loved and worshiped him passionately? Is your worship passionate? During worship, are you engaged with your heavenly father? Or are you checking the messages on your phone and distracted by everything around you? It's time to love him passionately and it's time for all of us to worship like a kid again. Another characteristic of a childlike faith is that they trust him completely. Children trust God. They believe what God says. They don't struggle with the matter-of-fact statements that are found in the Word of God. They hear it, they read it, they believe it, they respond. I can't tell you how many times uh, when my daughter uh, was growing up, she's 16 now, uh, but when she was younger, my wife has struggled with migraines for years. And, and when my wife, Sherith, would begin to, to really struggle with a migraine, Ashton would come and she'd lay her hand on Sherith's forehead and she'd say, Jesus... Make mommy all better. And one second later, she took her hand down, better? <laughs> now, why would she do that so quickly? Because she knows that God said he would heal us, and she took that statement at face value and believed that he would fulfill his promise. You see, when I watch kids pray for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they don't pray for hours and hours and hours. They pray, and moments later, they are filled. Why? Because they believe that God said he would fill us, so he will. They trust him completely to fulfill his promise. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. I have to ask you, do you trust him with all? Do you trust him with everything in your life, even the things that seem confusing, even the things that seem overwhelming? See, a lot of adults don't seem to have that level of trust. And some of you struggle with trusting God. You somehow taught yourself all the reasons that God doesn't really want to answer prayer all the time. You've decided in your maturity You've come to the realization that God doesn't want to baptize everyone in the Holy Spirit immediately. God doesn't want to heal everyone. Why do you have a hard time trusting what God says? Kids don't. Man, children trust him completely. And, and when a child trusts you, they trust you. I used to play a game with my kids, and, and probably you've played this as well, where we use the bed as a trampoline. And I would get down in the floor and I'd put my arms up and I'd say, all right, jump, daddy's gonna catch you. 
And, and they did it. They didn't have a debate with me and say, now, I need to be reassured. I need to know that what you've said is true and you really are going to catch me. Man, my son, watch him. He'll look at himself in the mirror and just jump into my arms. He's not even checking to see if my arms are up. But why? Because he trusts his father. His father said, son, I'll be there for you. Trust me. And he doesn't even think about it. He just does it. That's trust. And I know it's difficult, but I want to challenge you this morning. Start trusting like a kid again. Your heavenly father has spoken words to you, given you promises, said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Stop being dismayed, as pastor has said. Stop being worried. Stop being overwhelmed. And start trusting your father to come through with what he has promised that he will do. You see, when a child trusts you, they trust you, and you are his child, and you've got to put your trust in him like a kid again. Another aspect of a childlike faith is that they give to him extravagantly. Now, when you hear that, you might think, well, that doesn't really sound like a kid, because kids aren't really known for sharing easily. Matter of fact, one of the first words that kids generally learn after mommy and daddy is mine. That's mine. How many know that's true? Well, here's the deal. When a child gets passionately in love with Jesus and when he becomes the Lord of their life and they begin to see the world through his eyes, their priorities change drastically. There's a young girl in our church. Her name is Anna Featherston. She made a, a huge decision regarding her, her ninth birthday party. She told her mom and dad, I don't want to invite people to bring presents to me to my party. Instead, I want to do something different. I want to invite people to bring an offering to my birthday party so that I can share with them the need for planting churches in Vietnam. Watch. Hi, my name's Anna, I'm 10 years old, and for my ninth birthday, I decided to do something a little bit different. I decided to plant a church in Vietnam. I sent up the invitations, and instead of asking to bring presents, I asked them to bring offering to help build a church in Vietnam. Everyone came to my party. We ate a spaghetti dinner, and I read a note that I wrote. It said, the reason I wanted to do this is because God has a challenge for us to reach the whole world and teach them about God and how God's Son died on the cross and rose again so we could have eternal life. If every Christian child gave up one birthday, the whole world would be reached. Thank you for coming and helping me raise money to build a church in Vietnam. Thank you for making my prayers and wish come true. I couldn't believe what happened next. We raised over $1,700. That's enough to build two churches. It was amazing. I'm so glad I didn't decide I was too young to do something big for God. It's so amazing. And Anna's not alone. I've seen countless children do incredible things to raise money for missions. Uh, we had a, a, an effort last year, and, and our children raised over $6,000 to provide clean water wells and buckets to villages in Africa. We had kids sell their toys, uh, wash cars, have bake sales. One young girl felt led to take all of her American Girl dolls that she'd been saving and collecting her entire life, and she put them up on eBay and took every bit of that money and gave it towards this project. 
Listen, that's what I call giving to him extravagantly. And that's what happens when you have a faith like a child. Can you imagine how many hearts and lives would be impacted for the kingdom if each one of us set aside all of our adult reasons why we can't be faithful in tithe and in offering and giving to missions? How many lives could be reached if we became like his child and gave to him extravagantly? How about you? Are you faithful in tithes? Do you sacrificially support missions? Earlier when they were sharing about the one-day offering, were you mentally going through the reasons why you can't participate or were you going through a list of how you can sacrifice so that you can participate? For many of you, it's time for you to give like a kid again. Another aspect of childlike faith is that kids follow him personally. They follow him personally. Around Easter time, when my daughter was about four years old, she heard the story of Jesus dying on the cross and, and rising again on the third day, and, and she was very uh, filled with questions. And that night, she began asking me a lot of questions, and she said, Daddy, why would Jesus die on the cross for me? And I said, Okay, I'll, I'll put on my children's pastor hat here and I'll explain it to you. You see, the world is full of sin and, and, and God knew that one sin and we deserve death and hell forever, but he did not want that. And so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And he gave, she said, no, 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 no. Why did he do that for me? See, she heard the gospel story and she wasn't concerned about how, why he would do that for the whole world. She knew where she was and she wanted to know why would he choose me to do that for? She took it personally. Now, she was four years old, so the best way I could think of was just to, to tell her, sweetheart, it's because he loves you very much. Amen. And you know, I know there's a lot of folks in this room and watching online and some of you are asking that same question because you know where you've been and you know what you've done and you wonder how in the world could God send his son to die for me why me I'm going to tell you the same thing I told my daughter he's your heavenly father and he loves you very very much he loves you so much and he's waiting for you to turn everything over to him to follow him personally each one of us, Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, you cannot even be my disciple if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. It's got to be personal. Now understand, I, I, I'm not simply talking about going to church. I'm not even talking about serving in ministry. Those things are well and good and we should do that. But when I'm talking about following him personally, I'm talking about spending time in God's presence Time in prayer, time studying his word, time meditating on him and allowing him to connect with you, his child. You know, how often do we make excuses for why we as adults and parents are too busy to stop and spend time with God? We, we think, oh, God understands. He knows all that I have to accomplish. He knows I'm busy. And we start slipping away from following him personally. We start following him on a part-time basis. You know, this happened to me several years ago. 
And I don't have time to go into all the details, but I'll just tell you that I found myself in a place in my life where I was spiritually shriveled up and dying. And that was all the while I was serving as a pastor in my church. Oh, I was doing a lot of working for God, but I was doing very little spending time with God. And I was at a place in my life where I had become a full-time pastor and a part-time Christ follower. When I finally faced this issue, there was, there was really only one thing left for me to do. After a, a really tough, devastating meeting with my senior pastor, I, I, I decided that I would step down from upfront ministry. I didn't preach, I didn't teach, I didn't lead a meeting. I took an entire year off of upfront ministry. But, but it wasn't only because I knew that my actions and my state of heart had disqualified me from leading others. It was also because I didn't want anything to come between me and the connection that needed to be reestablished with my Heavenly Father. I knew that I had to become like a kid again in my faith and I needed to connect with Him personally. Now I want to ask you to raise your hand. And I won't ask you to confess in front of everybody, but how many of you would admit that it's been a long time since you truly spent time alone in his presence, connecting to him? You've been following him part-time. You show up on the weekends here at Westover Hills. You, 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 you sing the songs. You might even raise your hands and worship. You say all the right things. You do all the right things, but your heart isn't connected to his. You're following him from a distance. And you're giving him just enough of your heart to stay saved, but you're not giving him everything. You're not completely in love with Jesus. I believe God is calling you today. Follow him personally and become like a kid again in your faith. Lastly, the childlike faith, the characteristic I want to share with you is this. Children come to him openly. Children are ready to come to God. Now, when I first started as a kid's pastor, I really didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't, especially when it came to altar time. I'd seen a lot of evangelists kind of do the, I'm going to count to three thing. You know, one, you better get ready. Two, come on, here we're going to say it. Three, come, and, and you were supposed to come to the, to the, to the front. Well, I, that's all I'd seen. I thought, well, I'm going to try that. Here's the problem. The kids would never let me get to three. The moment I started, they would rush to the front because they were ready to come to him openly and, and receive what God had for them. They were ready to say, I want you to do anything that you need to do in my life. I'm your child. You're my father. I come to you openly. And you know, as adults, we don't do that for a lot of reasons. I think sometimes we're just afraid of those around us seeing that we might not be where we need to be so we don't respond well today i'm going to make a declaration to you and i pray that you make the same declaration i want to come to him like a kid again i want to be open and, and freely giving my life and my heart to him and recognizing that you are the vine i am the branch i can't do anything apart from you that's the truth. You, you may be chasing after all kinds of things in your life. You might be very successful. You might be really respected by those around you. But can I tell you, there is going to come a moment when you're going to realize all of that does not matter. 
And without him, you can do nothing, you are nothing. You were created to be in connection with your heavenly father. You're his child and he loves you so much. So this morning, I challenge you. Will you come to him like a kid again? Some of you, you, you've heard what I've shared and these characteristics of a childlike faith and you realize there are some areas that I really need to change. God has put a a finger on a place in your life and in your heart and, and right now God's saying, come to me. Come to me openly. If you're weary and you're carrying a heavy burden, come to me and I will give you rest. Would you bow your head and close your eyes all across this place? God's tugging at some of your hearts. He wants to embrace you as his child. He wants you to come like a kid again. And he's saying to you right now, come to me. I'll change your heart. I'll make you new. I'll change that that hardened heart that has been through so much and I will turn it in to a heart of flesh, a soft heart that I can mold and shape. He said, trust me. I said I'll never leave you. I said I'll never forsake you and I meant it. Do you want to come to him as a child or do you want to keep coming to him in that dysfunctional, baggage-filled, adult way? As for me, I want to come to him as a child. So as... As, as I move into a time where I just want you to respond, I want to ask those of you who are here and those of you that are watching online, God's speaking to you right now. In one of these areas of the characteristics of a childlike faith, God said, that's it. That's what I've been trying to speak to you. I've been trying to get through to you and I'm ready to change that in you. No matter which area it is, if there's something God is saying, this is it, I want to change this in you. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? Would you do that? Yeah, awesome, awesome. I'm asking you to do one more thing. Would you just stand right there where you are? We're a family here and we want to pray together. So would you stand right where you are all across this place? Yeah, awesome. Let me tell you something. You are his child. And we are all God's family. And you're surrounded by people who love you, who care for you. And really, many of them, it's not that long ago, they were at a place where you're at. And they want to pray and believe with you that God will change your heart to a childlike faith like never before. If you look around and see people that are standing, would you do me a favor, those of you that are sitting, would you move to one of them and place a hand on their shoulder, maybe even surround them, and we're gonna, we're gonna be the family of God this morning, and we're gonna pray together as a family. Would you do that? Those of you that are close by, somebody that's standing, would you stand and put a hand on their shoulder? I'm gonna pray with you, and let's pray that God would do something amazing in their lives. Would you join me together? Lord, I pray right now. I pray for my friends. They are your children. They belong to you. Your plan for them is greater than anything they could imagine. You desire for them not to have a life that is overwhelmed with with fear and with trepidation and worry and dismay. Lord, you've come that they might have life, that they might have it fuller, more abundantly in every way. So I pray, Lord, that you would, you would undo those things that through years of life experience have, have changed and, and have hardened and have they, they've lost that joy of a childlike faith. I pray you'd refresh and restore and renew in the name of Jesus that you would bring about a radical change in every one of these lives. Here this morning, God, these are your children. You are their father and we give you glory 
and honor and believe it is done in Jesus' name. We trust you completely and we declare it done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Would you do one more thing as you're, as you're seated again? Could we end this way? We've talked about going back to our roots and just becoming like a kid again. There was a song that, that we used to sing when I was a kid in children's church. And I'd love for us to end singing this. It was a real simple song and it went like this. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Sing it strong now. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Good word. Good word. It fed and encouraged my spirit and reminded me, guess what? God made the plan of salvation. God made serving him so clear that even a child can follow that path. Oh, that's good news. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you. Our hearts hug you. We love you. Go in the goodness of the Lord.